Fun story for you. In the LA Times a few decades ago, there's a story reported that officers were called to a house or an apartment complex and uh, because of a smell. And when they broke into the apartment or were let in, whatever the case was, they found a husband and wife who had passed away a long time before they were found, hence the smell. And so what was interesting about the story, though, was that this couple was found lying in their apartment dead, and the autopsy revealed that it was from malnutrition. Really sad. Really sad. Here's where it gets a little less sad, is found in the closet right next to them where they were laying were many lunch brown paper bags filled with cash totaling $40,000. Is it not a little bit ridiculous to die of malnutrition while literally holding $40,000 in cash? You can say yes. <laughs> Here's why I tell you that story. The good news of the gospel to the church, at least in the United States of America and maybe around the world, but I can't speak for them, is like that for many, many Christians. That in the word of God, we would have a treasure trove of good news and answers to your questions and peace and hope and joy and yet nine out of ten times this is an unscientific study <laughs> this is just based on the conversations I have we end up depressed or we end up with some issue that is solvable just a few pages away. And let's just make it more personal. You and I, me, every day, have the opportunity to dive into conversation with the God of the universe. And a lot of times we can't find time to do it. Think about that. Think about the treasure chest that you hold in your hands or that you can open on your phone in any version that you want. And at least in this country, with no consequences. Think about it. And so what happens then is because we are, in one sense, biblically thick, we are spiritually anemic on certain things. And what happens is we can miss entire beauties and beautiful aspects of the gospel. And today I want to preach about one of those things that for, man, for a long, long time in the church was just neglected. And because of the where, where our country is at today... It's being pulled, kicking and screaming back into the limelight. And our culture is having a horrible time figuring this out. And leaders all across the country, and I want to join in with that, are calling the church to stand up and be a part of the solution. 
What am I talking about? Here's what we're talking about. If you've got notes, you can pull them up in the YouVersion Bible app. You can grab a binder. If you just want the pieces of paper, they're in the back. Nobody will judge you if you stand up and get it now. In fact, the Bible says that if you take notes when the, ser- when the sermon's happening, you'll go to heaven faster. Um, second Mitch, chapter 3. Of course, that doesn't exist, but I'll like you more because I'm not perfect. And... Uh, at the top of it, you're going to see this statement, multi-ethnic church theology. What is the multi-ethnic church theology? I want to go through a little bit of that and unpack with you uh, a little bit of the book of Ephesians. But before we get there, we have to ask the question, why have this conversation? Why have the conversation about the multi-ethnic church theology? Why multi-ethnic churches? Why should that be a value that we have? One of the things if you dive into the, the documents of Redeemer City Church is that we desire to be a church that bridges gaps. Why? It stems out of a few things. But first, Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, said, pray that God would bring his kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. What does that look like? What does that mean? In Revelation chapter 7, we're given a picture of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Let's, let's read it together. Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. This is an awesome scene. It's the scene of the throne room of heaven. Jesus is sitting on the throne. And here's what the picture is. John's writing... And he says, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Just picture that. You ever, you ever seen a crowd or a picture of a crowd that just went so far that you couldn't see it? That you couldn't see the end. It was just an expanse. This is what John is seeing. And listen to this detail. Listen to this detail. From every nation... From all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice. You want to know why we sing and make it loud? Because the Bible makes it loud. We go a loud voice. But if that bothers you, we have earplugs over there in the baskets. Crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We value multi-ethnic churches because the gospel values multi-ethnic churches. We mourn with those who mourn in this country and all around the world because God does. And for way, way, way too long, this is my opinion, for way too long, the church in the United States has just ignored that. And I, it's not my intention to dive into all of it. There's plenty of good books on it. But how, how do we even have, how do we even have 
founded on Christian principles, this country. Notice, notice these. And have slavery. Okay, so just, there's a lot under that <laughs> that we don't have time to go into today. But I want to back up from that and say, what was God's intention for the church? What is God's intention for the church? And if we're supposed to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, what we just read really matters. Really, really matters. Why gospel-shaped multi-ethnic churches? Because it's God's eternal purpose realized in Christ. There's a lot packed into that Revelation passage. You see the lamb on the throne. What did the lamb do? Why is it the lamb sitting on the throne? Because he stepped out of heaven, Philippians chapter 2 came to earth and died for you. And for a lot of us, that's where the gospel stops. That it's a get out of hell free card. It's a I personally am made right with God. And those things are true, don't get me wrong. Without that, we have nothing. (laughs) So I'm not diminishing justification. But what did justification mean? usher in adoption into the family of God. But again, if you grew up thinking that Jesus was the white guy on the flannel graph, we're deficient in our view of what the church is. First of all, Jesus was likely not white. (laughs) So that just like, for a lot of us who grew up the flannel graph, it's just like, you know, he's not the guy with the beard and the flowy brown hair. Right? No. No. So we have to step into what the Bible actually says. We're in a series called Making Sense of the Church. Most, if not all, of this book was not written by white people. So it's just, all I'm saying is that we, we can't just ignore obvious facts. One of, the, one of the things that I think is not helpful is when people talk about God being colorblind. I, I understand the sentiment behind that, but if we're thinking critically, God's not. The Bible is not. God celebrates that creativity because He created it. And so if we just wipe all that off, we're wiping away what it means to be made in the image of God. Because to be made in the image of God is God sharing Himself through multi-ethnic people. Think about the, how much more beautiful the gospel is if the Imago Dei is all of these people that God created, not just one little group. That's more like Nazism than it is gospel. Why gospel-shaped churches, multi-ethnic churches? Because it's God's eternal purpose. And he sent Jesus to die for it. He sent Jesus to die for it. And he specifically fleshes that out if you want to do a little bit of study on your own this week. Um, Local multi-ethnic churches are God's fulfillment of his covenant with Abraham. We don't have time to dive into this, but uh, Abraham was the first Gentile that God gives the covenant to, which then comes through Israel so that the Gentiles can then get saved. Think about that. God gives his covenant to a Gentile 
so that then through Israel, <laughs> the Gentiles could get saved. And that, that again, that could be a very long series. But if you want to, if you want to do a little bit of uh, easy reading on it, there's a book by Derwin Gray called HD Leader, and it's all about multi-ethnic church and the theology behind it. It'd be a great book for you to read um, if you want to just unpack that a little bit more and I'll walk through some of those things. But um, God's multi-ethnic church is a theological vision with sociological implications. What do I mean? What you believe really affects how you live. What our church believes will really affect how we do church. And so I said at the beginning of the series that as we walk through this, some of the things in our church may need to change. And so we're wrestling with that with you as a, a corporate body uh, as you wrestle with it as an individual follower of Jesus. And so uh, we're, we're interested in this multi-ethnic church movement because God is. Is the short way to say all of what I just said. And uh, the gospel was for every tribe, every tongue. And so what, what that leads us into is, is this statement. The gospel is a bigger, more beautiful story than we realize. It's a bigger and more beautiful story than we realize. And so to get just a glimpse of that, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2 with you and uh, talk about why the implications of Jesus going and dying on the cross for, for us and our sin and making us right with God and adopting us into his family has some really incredible uh, implications. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not enough to just say that I invited Jesus into my heart. Right? What's the problem with that? Little, little me looks at big God and says, Oh, f- please. You, come in now. Just, just think about that. You know, we, we struggle with the big concepts like predestination and election, but what's the problem with the other side of it? That somehow I could look at the God of the universe and say, now you can come into my heart. I won't, not yet. But, 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 not yet. No, no, no. If, if, if we look at big God and say he's all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere, it has to change the way you think. It has to change the way you think. And so... Um, God calls us, saves us, redeems us, and invites us into His story. See, we have to back out. One of, the, one of the big themes of this whole series that we're doing is that we back out of this idea that the gospel was just for me. That individualized concept that the gospel is for me. It is for you, but it's not just for you. The fact that God has you in mind, the, knows the hairs on your head, is mind-blowingly amazing. He is near to you. You can't read Psalms and walk away thinking anything else. We're, we're seeing that one-on-one conversation. But that's not it. That's not it. There are big, glorious, family-oriented themes that we have to wrap our head around. And so, uh, what, what I guess I'm saying there is that if we aren't paying attention, our gospel can create selfish people instead of sacrificial people. And so that, that's why this multi-ethnic family church is important. But let, let's, uh, let's let God speak for himself. We'll go, to, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if you have your phone or your Bible, it'll also be on the screen so we can follow through this together. But starting in verse 8, you're gonna, it's going to feel really familiar at the beginning. But then the implications of it that come after are really amazing. 
Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We love those verses. They're foundational verses. But what are the good works? That's what we have to ask ourselves. What is the good work? Because I think in my life, I am prone to look at just my individual life and say, what are some good works I can do today? And what does that allow me to do? It allows me to just stay in my bubble and do my thing and really never get uncomfortable for the sake of Christ. Really never get outside of myself. It stays centered on me. What am I doing? What good work am I doing? When God has more in mind here, look at verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, why does this come right after? you ever think about that? Listen to this, this is crazy. Therefore, remember that one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, uh, which was like a, a curse word for Jews. No, you're the uncircumcised. By what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has, listen to this, broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Listen, here, this is important. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Okay? So, Follow this here. So God's saying, for by grace you're saved through faith. Epic work. Amazing. You've been made right with God based on the grace of God and has nothing to do with what you bring to the table. But what is the immediate implication of that? That Jews and Gentiles would become one people. Did God suddenly whitewash them or brownwash them or blackwash them? No. He left them in their culture. And he was fine with them to be who he created them to be. But what did he do? What did he tear down? The dividing wall of hostility. And said, you guys can do life together. You can have the gospel together. And tear down that hostility. What does our country need right now? Whether it be racially, whether it be with um, the gender issues, whether it be with what we should do with refugees, we could go all across the political spectrum, which is not my goal today. But all I'm saying is the church should be the first people to stand up and say, we have an answer for that. There's a way that we can do life together and celebrate everybody's individual culture because it was God who created them that way. How would that change the conversation? 
How would that change what you're talking about at work? How would that change what you're talking about at the coffee shop? How would that change the way you're parenting? It should shape everything that we do. To, to know that what makes me, me, is not what makes somebody else, somebody else. And that both can be celebrated in Christ. That that dividing wall of hostility can come down. That in the image of God, all people are inherently valuable. And that we can come together and do life in Christ. It's really important. Let me, let me show you one other spot here in Galatians chapter 3. Just to, just to look at the, the Abraham piece one more time. Ephesians, or Galatians chapter 3, 7 to 9. Look at what it says then. Know that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God takes a Gentile and makes him a Jew so that in Christ the door be opened to the Gentiles through the Jews. <laughs> That's the work. Joining God in the renewal of all things, joining God and reconciling all people to himself, killing hostility. That is the direct effect of what Ephesians is talking about. Now we, we, can, we can take that a whole lot of ways, but without butchering the text, with staying in the text, the immediate implication that the Bible goes to, that being saved by grace through faith, is that we would break down this dividing wall of facility between ethnic peoples. That's the immediate and direct result of that text. It's cause for searching the scriptures. It's cause for us to begin to think deeply about what that means. Because how does that help us make sense of the church, right? That, that's, the, that's the point of the series. How does that help us make sense of the church? Let's go back to the text. Let's go back to verse 17 to the end of the chapter because it tells us, tells us what Jesus did. Here's what Jesus did to do that. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were already near. God never leaves anything untied, right? He's going to preach peace to the Gentiles and then he knew, well, that's going to offend the Jews because this has been their gospel. So he preaches peace to those who are near. In, in, in this moment in history, the church needs to preach peace to those who are far. Peace to those who feel ostracized. Peace to those who are suffering injustice. And then preach the gospel of peace to those of us that are near. Those of us feeling privileged. Those of us feeling like we're getting taken off the center of attention. We preach peace to both those who are far and both those who are near. The gospel breaks down the wall of hostility. He goes on. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, listen to this, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, the whole global church, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Why does this help us make sense for the church? Because God desires to live in a multi-ethnic temple. That's why it matters to us. That's why it matters. Vertical reconciliation with God overflows into horizontal reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, between ethnic people groups, producing a new multi-ethnic family called the church. That's what being adopted into the family of God means. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The other implication of that was the socioeconomic walls that it broke down. That uh, we see this picture in Acts chapter 2 of people like doing radically generous things. Radically generous things. Like selling property so that people's needs could be met and and all kinds of stuff. And you know you know the, the Ananias and Sapphira story where they, they say they sold it all and then they only brought a little bit and God strikes them dead. God's serious about this stuff. And uh, we're being built up together as a holy temple in which God desires to live. And so that is church membership. That's what church membership is. That you would be a part of a community of multi-ethnic people where everyone is welcome, brought together by Christ into salvation. So you become, when you get saved, a member of this global church. And then you join a local expression of that church and covenant together with us to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth just as Jesus called us to. So what's the good work? According to Ephesians, it's bringing people together. That's what the direct result of for by grace you are saved through faith. If you're not going to butcher that text, if you're just going to follow the path of the text, the good work that the gospel does is bring people together under the name of Jesus so that just like in heaven, every tribe, every tongue, every nation would be celebrated in the worship of God the Father and the Lamb of God who was sacrificed to make it possible. That's what the gospel does. Why do we believe so deeply in good news? Because that is our hope that the gospel would bring us together in a nation divided in much turmoil over different ideas and ideologies that under Christ, all of that can get set aside and we can be brought together without hostility to worship God. That's good news. That's good news. Don't let, don't let people tell you that the Bible is an ancient book. It's a timeless book. It has an answer for our problems right now and as an answer for your issues but a lot of times it's setting aside your individual self and being a part of his story which is the global multi-ethnic church worshiping at the feet of jesus it's amazing
and 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 here's what here's what I love about about that. The band's going to come up and we're going to we're going to sing another song here about the name of God because uh the name of God changes us because it's in the power of the name of Christ that these things happen that these walls fall. But one of the beautiful implications of that and uh one of the one of the things that literally adopting a little guy from a totally different culture is uh, they, they teach you in this thing that you should celebrate their heritage. And uh, one of the things that's amazing about that is you, you can come to appreciate and celebrate uh, where people are from, not sacrifice who you are who God's created you to be because that's one of the things that practically speaking is really hard for us that you can have friendships with people who are not like you and it can enrich your life not make it more complicated and so I want to challenge you today as we sing this song about the Father Think about it from his perspective. He's looking down and seeing all of his kids and all of these colors and in all of these places and in all of these economic statuses. And he just loves them. He just loves them. And and one of the reasons that that's so beautiful is because he sees it from a timeless perspective. That's why we have what us men have been studying on Monday mornings. That blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are... They that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because the things we care about, uh, God cares. But he wants to walk you through that to see the bigger picture of what the gospel is all about. That's why he says, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. Well, how can you make such blanket statements when I'm going through this? Because God knows. But God also sees out on the horizon what you cannot see so today would you stand with me would you just rest like Hebrews calls you to in the goodness and the transcendence of God knowing that he's imminent knowing that he's close that even though he's so big and so far beyond he is close and he's drawing people he's drawing you into a people for himself what an incredible privilege it is to be a part of the family of God so this week as you rest in that what did Jesus tell his disciples look up the fields are ripe unto harvest if you begin to appreciate the multi-ethnic church of God you can go into every part of your sphere of influence and begin to share the gospel by building relationships and breaking down the wall of hostility Engage those conversations that make you uncomfortable because God is there with an answer. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing. God, you alone are worthy to be praised. We praise you that you have made each person in this world fearfully and wonderfully with your hands. That before we were ever a thought in our parents' mind, you were forming us 
positioning us to be who you wanted us to be. And you didn't make a mistake. We are exactly who you wanted us to be. And in Christ, you've called us to go and be a part of a family that is bigger and more beautiful and more creative than we are on our own. And so God, I pray that you would give us boldness. I pray that you would give us peace. I pray that you would give us the words to say as we look up.